facts. And uh, she likes to be on the list. And when we go to district council, she wants everybody to know this is what Church of Briargate did. So, um, <clears throat> so that's why we have that's why we have this. Uh, speaking of that, it it uh, truly is a um, a privilege this morning to have some missionaries with us. It's always a privilege to have missionaries, but this is a little different for us this morning. And some of you that are newer will not know um, Drew and Annika, so we want to introduce them to you. They, uh, Annika, um, grew up in this church, and um, then Drew came along around his freshman or sophomore year in high school, and um, love was in the air, and, uh, and they, uh, uh, Drew went to, well, they started dating, all that kind of stuff, and then, um, no extra stuff, they just started dating, and so then, uh, then Drew went to the military, and uh, they got married, they moved to Alaska, and uh, they're going to tell you some of this stuff. And then God began to work on them, call them to missions, and now they've come back full circle right here to, to uh, church at Briargate, and they are now leaving for uh, the mission field to Hungary. And so this is, this is um, they're us, you know, they're our family. And so this is, makes me very proud. I know it makes Josh and Liz extremely proud uh, also with that. So Drew, Annika. Um, join uh, join me up here, and um, we'll we'll let them tell you about other announcements. All right. Well, good morning, everyone. Good morning. Um, we're excited to be here. Thank you, Pastor Scott and Linda, for inviting us and giving us this opportunity to share a little about what we're going to be doing in our hearts. Um, we are visiting from Alaska. We're from Fairbanks. It's the interior of Alaska. They call it the real Alaska. Um, we have met on this stage, like he said, you know, we were on the worship team together, we went through the youth group and attended this church for many years with families. God has really put a passion in our hearts for intercultural missions and relationship building. Bottom line is we are just passionate about serving people. God has opened up the doors for us to use these passions and serve in Budapest, Hungary. We will be serving as MAs for two years with an international church. We get to serve the people of Hungary and further the mission of the church. And if we can go to the next slide. Just so a little bit personal about us, um, this is about the closest we get to a family picture. Um, <laughs> Annika is pregnant right now. <laughs> um, yeah, and that is our house right there. We live in a log cabin, real Alaska, you know. And uh, it's got a wood stove. <laughs> but that is our dog, Buck, right there. He's a crazy animal. Um, I was in the Army. That's why we moved up there. I was stationed at Fort Wainwright. Um, I just transitioned out in November of last year, so I'm working at a local clinic right now in the family medicine department, and Annika is the executive admin at True North Church, which is our home church in Fairbanks, Alaska. Yeah, so like Drew said, it's just such an honor um, to be back here with you guys, with old friends and some new friends, just very special for us um, <clears throat> to get to share. Um, we wanted to share a little bit personally about how we felt called to missions, um, as he mentioned, we did meet at a really young age, and when we got married, you know, we both knew that the call to missions that we had was one that was for both of us for our marriage, um, and it wasn't until about a year and a half ago there were some very specific events that God just really spoke to us through, um, but up until then, you know, we were at a very dry point spiritually. Um, for some context, he had just returned from in 11 months deployment, and so we were in kind of this transition period, um, really had depended on our own strength, 
um, not really looking to God or to his plan. And we had built up what we thought was, you know, meaning in our life within our home and our future plans. Um, And at this time, about a year and a half ago, um, we actually had a really bad house fire and we lost everything just so quickly. Um, And to make a long story um, pretty short, it was just a really dark place for us. You know, we felt like we had no stability. We felt like we had um, no plan, no support. Um, And life was just really loud, really chaotic at this time, but God's voice just spoke to us so much louder. Um, And he really just used this specific time um, that would be of darkness to really humble us um, into the call and to teach us some really important lessons. The first one being just that our life is not our own, you know, that he had created us for a unique purpose um, that was just so special and beautiful. And um, the second one was just to say yes to the call. And so we said, okay. And in the last year and a half now, we've just been walking in that yes and constantly just saying yes, yes, yes to God. And he's just been so faithful. Um, and so we're super excited, super pumped um, to be here at this point and get to share with you guys just how he's going to use us overseas. Yep. And if we can go to the map, that is where Hungary is just for some perspective. It's in the southeastern part of Europe. You can go to the next slide as well. Um, here's just some quick stats about Budapest and then Hungary as a whole. Um, something I'd like to highlight here is they are a post-Christian culture. Uh, when we say that, we mean that the culture has heard of God, but they don't necessarily have a full relationship um, with God, or maybe it's skewed in some way. Um, the culture as a whole is just lost to what the gospel truly is, um, due to a lot of just religious oppression on them throughout history. Another big thing that Europe as a whole is struggling with right now is access points. Um, there aren't many access points for these people who want to seek out discipleship or want to seek out God's word or the good news. Um, there's, for, for a lot of places, um, they can't go and, and get this. So a big part of Riverside Church, which is the international church we'll be with, is they are the access point for the community. And we will be able to go out and, and disciple and just love on people. Yeah, so a few photos. Um, We have a ton of photos of the church, but these are just, I think, five or six that we picked out to kind of just show you guys um, the heart and the mission of the church. Um, This first one is just, you can see the bigger Sunday gatherings and then the smaller life groups. It's something we're personally really excited to be a part of. As missionary associates, our role is pretty flexible in the church since we're kind of, you know, new to missions and kind of just getting into it. So we get to help out a lot, like in the Sunday gatherings and in the regular weekly things, but also in the smaller ways that the church is with the life groups and um, just kind of they'll be able to use us wherever we're needed through this time. Um, You can go ahead and go to the next slide, too. Um, So we really wanted to show you guys the people, too, um, at our church in Fairbanks, something they they always say is the church is not the building, but the people who come and go from the building every week. So this is the church, just not in the building, um, doing some community outreach at an ice skating rink in Budapest. Um, and on the right there, I think is last month now, was their baptism service. They had 10 baptisms, and seven or eight of them were kids. So it's a very family-oriented church, a very um, spiritually healthy church where we see a lot of growth. Um, and we have one more slide of photos, too. This is a before and after. Actually, the left picture is not the church service. It is um, what used to be an old disco in the middle of the city. And the church just recently uh, remodeled it to their new ministry space, which is super exciting um, because they outgrew their previous space. So we're just really excited to be part of such a growing ministry um, and one that, you know, values the church, but also values getting outside of the walls of the church and into the community. So. And for Europe, um, we kind of have a motto, and it's the Lose Yourself campaign. And it goes after the verse, Mark 8, 35, 
For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And this is something that we really just um, related to and kind of adopted into our own lives. You know, with the house fire and stuff, it took us understanding that these physical elements don't define our lives. And once we finally lost all that stuff and lost ourselves for God, that's when we really heard the call and were able to continue to walk into faith and have those doors open up for us. Yeah, and so we just hope that that's inspiring for you guys also, um, since it's really God's call on all of us, and and he does miraculous things, you know, when we decide to follow him deeper and just kind of let go um, of that control on our lives. So um, we are hoping to be over there by this time next year is kind of our timeline that we have. Um, So we will be out. We have a table. Some of you guys probably saw in the foyer. We'll be there after service Um, Just to connect with you guys, if you want to have a conversation or hear more of our story, and we love hearing your guys' stories, too. Um, We have some prayer cards that we'd love to get in your guys' hands. Prayer support is just really, um, really foundational for us getting over there. If you feel called to support financially, um, there's options for that, too, ways to connect. Um, So, yeah, we'll be out there. Come say hi to us, and thanks. That's all. Thank you, guys. Um, As always, we want to pray for them. And uh, so anybody that wants, come join us up here. And uh, make them feel uncomfortable with your presence. We're going to pray. We always pray the basic same two things, that the Holy Spirit will be all that they need. Go before them, protect them, guide them, anoint them, those kind of things. And then the second one is uh, much more comfortable and natural for us here, which is make them part of us and uh, that we remember and we pray for them. So, God, we, we thank you first for, for just their response to your call. Lord, I'm also amazed at, at how you pick people and you say, I need you to be here and I need you to be here. And, God, that's amazing because you know the big plan and we don't. And, Lord, their obedience is the key. And so, God, we thank you for all of this. So guide them and lead them where you're taking them and and all the things that you already know that they're going to uh, do and interact and and deal with. And, God, give give them strength and power and anointing, discernment, wisdom, all the things about stuff they don't even know yet. God, we thank you for all of this. Lord, we do ask you to put them into our hearts. God, they are part of us. They're our kids, Lord, and we thank you for letting us be a part of them going out. And so, God, we ask you to just provide for them, provide for them in every single way, put them in our hearts that we will give, that we will pray, and that we'll support them in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. They do have a table outside, so um, do that. We are, we are going to uh, support them. In fact, they're already on the wall out there. They're on the top row. So you can go check that out, and, and uh, then you'll know. You'll remember later uh, who they are. And uh, we were uh, talking and joking a little bit um, before first service, and uh, this being Mother's Day, Annika was, was uh, wondering if um, she gets a cookie off the table um, because she's, you know, five months pregnant. Well, okay, here's our official stance. So we're all on the same page. People, this is important. She's been a mother for five months. Right? Um, 
you're, that, that is segueing into my next sentences. Uh, I know this has been a huge week. It's been an um, amazing week, tumultuous week, because we've heard that Roe versus Wade is being overturned. Guys, this is, this is a miracle. I, I literally never thought I would see this. I prayed for it. I wanted to see it. I didn't think I would see it. Now, it's obviously not going to happen until July, and the actual writing and the, and the stances and the dissents and all that kind of stuff, we'll, we'll get to see all that in um, July, and then it may be a little different. But this is not, I, I've seen this all over where people are saying, we won the battle, we won the battle, is we haven't won the battle. The battle is beginning. That's what's actually happening is the battle is beginning, and the church has got to, to fight this time. We didn't fight in 1973. And we need to fight this time. This is, a, this is crucial because now this goes back to the states. That's what the language is going to be is that the Supreme Court is acknowledging the fact that they never had the right to make this a law in the first place. They're acknowledging this. Uh, the Supreme Court is not the legislative body. They're the judicial branch. And so, so this is going to be huge. It's going to be kicked back to the states. Now, I am praying for this. Please pray with me about this, that the language that, that, that the... Uh, the writing of the Supreme Court, come, when it comes out, the, the language of this is going to be very important because if it has anywhere in there that part of the reason or any acknowledgement that this is that there that the um, the life of a baby begins at conception, then the abortion law that Colorado just passed will be trashed. It will be torn down because it's built on a premise. That the baby is the the baby is a fetus at at conception until whatever weeks, and everybody just makes up weeks. But here's the reality: we need to be praying, guys, that the that the Supreme Court language says that this is a human baby at conception, because that's that will change a lot of laws and a lot of states across the country. It'd be very very difficult for a state to make a law for abortion after that. Okay. Um, we're still fighting, even if that language is not in there. We need to fight this out, pray this out, because we, we are winning now. Okay, there's, there's, I've seen the meme, 65 million babies cheering because this has been changed. These are, this is huge language, okay? So just continue to pray, continue to pray that God will, God will do what, what he wants uh, to do. And right here in the state of Colorado, we need some, we need some big miracles going on with that. And so... <clears throat> So this is Mother's Day. Uh, I'm not speaking this morning. Um, I, get to, I get to introduce the speaker, though. Why are you cheering? You know what? I'm speaking. I listen in first service. Um, so I know I'm not normally here when Linda speaks. I very, very rarely have ever heard Linda speak, and she speaks a lot. And I very rarely, I mean, I, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I hear enough of that. But um, I, you guys are not, you've you got to focus. You're in, a, you're, in a, you're in a bad place as a crowd. So um, I never get to introduce her or to hear her speak. And so this morning I want to introduce her because this is Mother's Day. And uh, the three greatest things that have ever happened in my life in this order I accepted Jesus as my Savior, and it changed everything. And then I married Linda, and it made my life amazing. And then I had kids, and it completed it all. So, 
So with that, um, and I still remember, I actually wrote a song about this. I'm never going to sing it to you. But the very first time I ever saw Linda, I still remember that day to this moment. I remember every detail of the first time I saw her. And, uh, and my life changed forever. And then, and then God did this amazing thing where he gave us kids together. And what, a, what an amazing gift. What a powerful thing. And so Linda's going to speak to us this morning about Mother's Day. Oh, honey, you've got you've got something on your face. Mom! Hey, good job! Good job, buddy! You got this! Go slugger! Yeah! Mom! Did you brush your teeth? Did you really brush your teeth? Let me smell your breath. Mom! Okay, Jake, honey, this is the only thing I can find, all right? <laughs> Mom! Yeah, it's a compound fracture. Sweetheart, you're gonna be okay. Mom? Well, you have a good set of crutches? Seriously, Jake, what am I going to do with you? Mom. Hi, Jake. Hi. Ooh, she's really cute. Mom. Mom? Mom. Jake, sit up straight, honey. Mom. to hear your kids say mom most of the time I do now especially that they're grown I do um, my oldest he got to where when he went to college and he came home uh, he'd be home for the summer or and he still does it to this day when he comes in the door he says hi mom and I got to where I looked forward to that I knew it was coming in the way he said it and now when I call him on the phone which I don't call him very often you know um our children don't talk on the phone much. They text. But when I call, he always answers, what's up, Mom? And I love it. I love hearing my children call me Mom now. I know. And when they were younger, sometimes it wasn't as fun. But, but uh, you know, as they grow up, it gets easier and easier um, to hear it. So how many of you in the room, how many women in the room um, are like me? And sometimes you forget how old you are. Do you forget? I forget. I really sometimes think I'm still in my 30s. 
I really do. Honestly, it's not a joke. Um, I just forget that I'm older than that. Um, one time we pulled up to a red light, Scott and I did, and I don't know what I said about the girl next, I'm sure, next to us in the car. I'm sure it was very polite and nice. And um, I said something, and he said, Linda, how old do you think she is? I said, oh, about my age. He said, how old are you? <laughs> well, maybe she's not my age, you know. But sometimes it takes reality to come back to the fact that I am um, 52 years old. And I am not 30 anymore. And um, so it, it takes a little bit to realize that I've learned a few things. And, I, and that's why I'm saying this. I want to preface this with I've learned a few things. I've been around a little while. Um, and I know to some of you I'm still just a kid. I get it. Um, I thank you for that. I appreciate that. Sometimes I still just feel like a kid. Um, but over the um, I've learned a few things by parenting children and, and more, even more, by watching other people parent children over the 30 years of ministry, plus 30 years. Um, 28 years ago, yesterday, I became a mother. Our son's birthday was yesterday, and um, I have learned a whole lot. And I could talk to you this morning. Emily, could you hand me a Kleenex just because you know I'm going to need it? I meant to grab one on the way up. Um, I could talk to you this morning about the sacrificial love of mother and uh, what mother, you know, what mothers do and how great you are and, and you are, you are great. But this morning I'm going to glean from my 28 years of experience as a mom and 30 years of experience as a pastor's wife and, um, and just kind of go there. I may step on some toes this morning. I may irritate some of you this morning, but you know you've got the rest of the day to enjoy Mother's Day. And so now is when um, I just feel like God has just spoke some things to me that I think mothers today need to hear. Um, in my 28 years as a mother, I've survived the hard moments, long moments. I've enjoyed the happy moments. I've endured the ever-constant repeating myself moments. Mothers of young children, I survived, survived the what-if moment. Here's a tip for you. What if, Mama, what if that tree fell over? Here's your answer. What if? And now they can come up with it. That's a tip. That was not on my notes. Um, I understand what it, be, it is to be the um, mother, the mom of a, a new mom and to worry about everything and to check and see if your child is sleeping and breathing in the morning to wonder if you're doing it right. I understand the guilt of a toddler mom. I have, you call me. Our young moms will text and say, I've just screamed at my child and I feel so guilty. And I'm like, they probably deserved it. <laughs> I understand that guilt. I get it. You know, the concern of the elementary student and the frustration of the teen mom. I understand that. I get that. And now I'm living in the um, challenges of the adult mom, of your adult children who can make their own decisions, wise or unwise, and you have to just keep your mouth shut and go with it. I understand that. I get it. And I've survived all those things. Um, in fact, um, I'm still doing that. 
And I don't think that you ever quit doing that. I know my mother um, has been a mother for 52 years, and she still does those things, those, those, does those things with me. Every mom really lives with four basic emotions, and you, I'm sure you'll agree with me. First of all, they love. They love unconditionally. You know what? You as a child may think that you've done something to lose the love of a parent, but a mother always loves. Always. It doesn't matter where they go or what they do, where they land. A mama always loves. A mother always is proud. A mom has pride. She has pride in her children. And even in those times when maybe it doesn't look like there's so many things to be proud, proud about, if you start talking to mom about their kid, they'll start telling you the great things about their kid. And they should because a mom always has pride. A mother also always has fear. And I'm not talking you're scared, but there's always that bit of fear in you. The fear you're, you're scared for their safety. You know, are they safe when they don't come home? When, you know, uh, maybe the phone rings when it shouldn't ring and you get scared. You're scared that they're going to have struggles. You're scared about the decisions they're making. Let me tell you, this morning, I thought my daughter went to bed at 6 o'clock last night. She's 23. And as a mother of a 23-year-old, I went out downstairs to see if she's breathing. Just saying. I touched her. The bed was still warm. She said, what? I said, just seeing if you're breathing. You still, it never leaves you. Guilt at your own decisions, that guilt of did I do it right? Was I good enough? Was I too hard? Was I not hard enough? You know, all those things. Those are the emotions that mom work with. But today I want to talk about hard things. The world's toughest job is to be a mom. Dads, I'm sure that's hard too. But right now, today, we're talking about Mother's Day. And we're talking about the hardest things. Today, I want to talk about those things that may take a little fight to accomplish. A fight with our kids and within ourselves. A little bit of effort. The Bible says in Psalms 127, it says, Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from Him. Children born to a young man are like arrows in a warrior's hands. Now, I know we say that when we do baby dedications, but let's really think about it. What do you do with arrows? You shoot them, but first you aim. You pick up the bow and the arrow, and then you put it together like they do, those people that use bows and arrows, like, something like this, and then you aim it at a target. You aim it in a direction, and then you shoot it. And that's what the Bible says children are to us. As a Christian mother, you have a responsibility to God. You do. God, these are not your children. Although we're going to tell you that if you try to drop them off. <laughs> they're your children. We're not going to tell They're not your children. They're God's children. And he has given them to you to raise, and you are responsible for how you raise them. We're going to talk about four different mothers this morning, and we're going to kind of compare them to what I feel like God is saying today. So first we're going to talk about Hannah. Um, Hannah in 1 Samuel, um, it talks about a woman named Hannah. Now Hannah was desperate for a child. Hannah was married to a man named Elkanah. 
That's what his name was, Elkanah. And she was married to him, and he had two wives. And I'm going to just, this is going to explain why you shouldn't have more than one. But he had two wives, and one was named Hannah, and one was named uh, Paniah. And Paniah had children, but Hannah did not. And Hannah just grieved that. She prayed, and she prayed. And if you've ever, ever been a mom who wanted children so badly and was unable to have children, you understand that. You pray and you go. She went before God. And then, then every year, Paniah would have a child. And then Paniah got real sassy about it. And Paniah started um, taunting Hannah and talking about how great she was and how much more loved she was because she was providing their husband um, a child. And so Hannah was sad and she was grieving. And that's where we find um, this in verse 9. I'm going to go ahead and do the side note again. On verse 8, if you have your Bible open, if you'll look at verse 8, this has nothing to do with the sermon. I just think it's funny. It says, why are you crying, Hannah? Elkanah would ask. Why aren't you eating? Why be downhearted just because you have no children? You have me. (laughs) Okay, back to the sermon. That, That really didn't fit in the sermon, but I really felt like we needed to enjoy it together. So anyway... So back to verse 9. Once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli the priest was sitting at his customary place beside the entrance of the tabernacle. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies, if you look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire life, and as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. And if you continue to read, you'll find that God just did just that. He gave her a son, and Hannah was true to her words. She gave him back to the Lord. Hannah dedicated her son to the Lord. And I'm not talking about the thing we do when we come up here with our children, which is important. And pastor, the pastor prays a dedication prayer over them, and we dedicate them to the Lord. That's not what I'm really talking about, although that's important. And we should do that. I'm talking about what happens when you walk off this platform and you go into the world. Dedicating them to the Lord. Hannah dropped her son off with the priest. That is also not what we're talking about. We're not dropping anybody off with the preacher. It's not what that means. So what does it mean today? So as I, I'm about to get a little, I could step on some toes. Don't get mad at me. Get mad at God. Talk to him about it. Um, As I watch today's world, and this has been going on for a long time, not just recently. As I watch our American world, and as I watch things, I begin to get a little bit grieved Because we have become so um, focused and obsessed with what our children are doing. And our problem is we have not focused them at that target that we were talking about, where the, the arrow was going. In today's world, I see the following things. Our extracurricular activities have become so much more important than church. Our family time has become so much more important than church. And I'm not talking about, um, you know, if you're not here every week, we're doing a check mark. We're not doing that. I'm talking about in the heart. Because you see, moms and dads, 
You see, we are responsible for these children. And we're not responsible that they get the baseball scholarship. That's not what, it's helpful, but that's not what we're responsible for. We're not responsible that they get to be at the birthday party. None of those things are what God has, has ordained us to do. We're responsible and set it in precedence on what God says. You see, they're watching your every move. And you may not say it out loud, but when we have everything else is more important, and if there's nothing else to do, then we'll go to church. If that's really what they see, then that's what they learn. That when there's nothing else, well, then we go to church. That's what we do on Sunday when nothing else happens. Instead of the spiritual principle of the Bible that says, forsake not the gathering. The spiritual principle of what does God say? Where are we going? In, in this home, we are going to serve the Lord. You see, it's important to know that, that he doesn't say you can't have fun. And you can't have family time because you should. You should go up to the mountains or to the beach. You should do those things. But when they become more important than the house of God, when they become more important than what God is saying, than what Scripture says, and when you begin to notice that maybe their attitudes and their thinking, and you know what, today in today's world, they are being influenced everywhere they go. They are being influenced at school. They're being influenced at, um, with their friends. They're being influenced on YouTube and on TV and all the other things that we do out there. They're being influenced. But when we bring them to the house of God, they're being influenced. And when the house of God becomes our priority then that's when God can start working in their lives. And God can start saying, okay, here we are. I've called you. I'm doing something in you. And when they're out in the world and there becomes a question, they have the foundation to know what the answer is. I'm not saying family is not important because it is. And we probably should have taken more vacations as a family. We probably should have done more of that, those kind of things. But I am saying that being in the house of God is transformational. And it teaches your children spiritual practices. Submission to God's word. Submission to God's word. When you open the Bible and you say, well, this is what God's word says. That's where our answer is. That's what they learn. I have a... Um, when my son was in eighth grade, uh, we lived in a different city before moving here where our um, older two boys did most of their schooling. And um, it was a great little community, but I learned, I had a lesson in what it's like to fight for your kids. And one day they had something called eighth grade continuation. And this is eighth grade graduation where basically it just models their high school graduation. And and so I went to this graduation, and being the mom that I am, and I'm worried about my two hormonal boys, um, we're at graduation, and they're all the eighth graders are walking in. You know, the kind of thing that you can't wait to see your kid, then you're ready to go home. We're watching them come in, and all the girls are walking in in, their, um, in these prom gowns, basically, that barely cover their body. 
Now you understand in the eighth grade, girls are just beginning to develop and they're just beginning to look like young women. And so they've got on these gowns and my heart began to cry out. What is this doing to my boy's eyes? I've always been sensitive to that with my boys. What are they seeing? What is it doing to them? And so foolishly, I made a post on Facebook. Do you know that's foolish? You should not make posts on Facebook about stuff. But it was a new thing. It was newly out, and I didn't realize that. So I wrote on there, mothers of eighth grade girls. It would be something, I don't know the exact words, but it, it was nice. It was nice. Something <laughs> of great, great, something about, you know, asking moms of eighth grade girls to watch what their girls wear because it's affecting my boy. Well, I had a lot of comments that agreed. You know how that is. Mostly people agree, um, comment. But then I had one mom that she said something that has stuck with me forever since then. She said, well, sometimes it's, not, it's just not worth the fight. And that hurt my, my heart. It was like, what do you mean? My child is always worth the fight. So let me encourage you today, mom. Your child is worth the fight. And it may be easier. I know it's easier just to say, yes, go ahead and go. And, you know, sometimes it, I know I get it. I, like I said, I have been there. But when it comes to your child's salvation, and it comes to what God is going to do in your child, it is worth the fight. If you have to fight and fight and fight, I promise you, you're going to have to fight and fight and fight. Because once you set the rule and you stick with it, they know the rule. It's when you set the rule and then you don't. And then you say, they don't understand. There, they're going to keep fighting. But they're worth the fight. Their salvation is worth the fight. God gave you those children, and you're responsible. Our second mother is Jochebed. Jochebed was the mother of Moses. And the mother of Moses, for some of you that may not know, the Hebrew children were a fertile bunch. And they were in captivity. In Egypt. And the Pharaoh was worried that they would um, outnumber the Egyptians and take over. So he made a rule that all Egyptian uh, baby boys that were born had to be killed when they were born. Basically aborted when they were born. I mean, exactly what we're seeing today. And, um, but the midwives were God-fearing women. And when the babies were born, they didn't kill the babies. They didn't do it. And when Pharaoh asked, how come you, what is going on? They're like, well, they just, the Hebrew women have babies so quickly, we can't get there before the babies are born. So then because of that, Pharaoh put another law and he said, every baby boy under two years old uh, must be killed, thrown in the Nile, killed. Well, Jochebed, she, the Bible says she saw something special in her child. She saw something. I'm going to research that. She saw something special. She knew there was something different. Now, we all see that. But I believe it's a God thing when we see that. She saw something special in her child, and she decided she wasn't going to do that. Instead, she was going to release him to what God had for him. So she put him in a basket. She put him on the Nile trying to make sure I don't skip a scripture so that I don't throw Allison off. She put him in the basket. She put him in the Nile and pushed him out. And then Pharaoh's daughter came by and saw the baby. 
took the baby in as her own to raise in the palace. And years later, you find that Moses led the Egyptians out of slavery. I mean, the, the Hebrews out of slavery from the Egyptians. What if she had not released her child to what God's plan was? I was talking to Shelby in between the services, and we were kind of talking about this part. And um, I said, what did she do, Jochebed? She didn't just release them because she's her mom. She didn't just put Moses in that basket and let him float. No, she sent someone to watch for him. His sister watched, and I bet they took turns, and they watched to make sure he was okay. Did she know that Pharaoh's daughter, no, she didn't know she was going to come and get him. She just knew this is what she was supposed to do. How many of you know that releasing them is sometimes the hardest thing to do? Now, I believe God gives you teenagers because it makes you it easier to release them <laughs> to college. You know, but God, God does that. He wants us to release them. Some of our kids may be called to live in another city, another state, or even another country. They may be called to do something we really don't want them to do. But as mothers, we're called to raise them up in a way of the Lord and then release them to God's plan. I had a friend growing up. She was our good friend. You know, you've got one of those that they're always good. They're always disappointed in you when you're bad. She was disappointed in me a lot. And she was such a good girl. And um, she was called to ministry. There was no doubt. But um, we had a university in the town I lived in. And she wanted to go to the Bible school, actually, that my daughter just graduated from. She wanted to go to the Bible school um, uh, about three hours away, and mom couldn't do it. That was too far. Mom needed to keep her close. So she wound up going to school there, married a great man, but never really got to fulfill God's call in her life. You see, God has got a purpose for your kids. And when we hold them too close and we won't let them do what God's called them to do, then we're stifling God's purpose for them. And they'll never be completely fulfilled. You have got to release that in them. Our baby just graduated college a couple of weeks ago, last week, something. She graduated college. By the, by the way, that taking her to college was the hardest release we've ever done in our life. That was really hard. But these past few months, she's been looking for a job. I'm a ministry position, and her very first one, she called and said, guess what, I've been offered a position in Georgia. And I said, Georgia? And I wanted to say, that's crazy. But I couldn't say that. I just said it to Scott. She, <laughs> that's crazy. Do you know how far Georgia is? I mean, I looked it up on the map to see how far, how long is it going to take me to get to Georgia? Because that's a long ways. But to her, we had to say, Oh, really? That's a great opportunity for you to do. And then that fizzled out, and there was a church here in our network, and I know all the churches, and so you're like, okay, I know stuff. You know, maybe we want to go here, maybe we not go there. Well, then one of the churches wanted her to come. And so she texts me, and she said, hey, did you know this? And I did, and da-da-da. And I, wanted, I began to text in some information, and immediately God checked my spirit. And, and I backspaced it all out and said, that's great. <laughs> because you know what? I have got to release her 
to go where God is calling her to go. Now, yesterday it was Alaska, and she's already turned that down, and we're thankful for that too. So <laughs> what is wrong with Colorado, dear? What is wrong? Okay, anyway, uh, but, you know, we have to release our children to do what God's called them to do. It's hard and sometimes even painful, but we have to be willing to release them. Number three is Sarah. Sarah was the wife of Abram. If you'll remember, Sarah's name used to Abraham. Sarah's name used to be Sarai, and Abraham used to be Abram. And then they, God changed their names to Abraham and Sarah. And Sarah was the mother um, that God had given a promise to. Um, if you'll remember in the Bible, she, he promised that she would have a child. And um, so she began to wait for that child. How many of you have been promised something and then you start figuring out why it's, you can't figure out why it ain't done today? You know, God's promised you something, so now we're going to get it done and we're going to do it today. Well, God had promised her she's going to have a child, and she began to grow very old without a child. So she began to take, she decided to take things into her own hands, and she gave her um, handmaiden to Abram to have a child. It, it says in Genesis 16, Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had not been able to bear children for him. But she had an Egyptian servant named Hagar. So Sarai told, said to Abraham, The Lord has prevented me from having children. Go and sleep with my servant. Perhaps I can have children through her. And Abram agreed. Um, that's another sermon. We're going. So Sarai, Ab that's going to be on another day, not Father's Day. But there will be a day. So... <laughs> So Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, the Egyptian servant, and gave her to Abram as a wife. Then, verse 4, so Abram had relations with Hagar. I couldn't say that word, y'all. And she became pregnant. But when Hagar knew she was pregnant, she began to treat her mistress, Sarai, with contempt. Then Sarai said to Abraham, this is your fault. I put my servant in your arms, but now that she's pregnant, she treats me with contempt. The Lord will show me who's wrong. So some of you, God has given you a promise. There are some of you that God has told you he's either going to heal your child, he's going to save your child. Um, there could be all kinds of things that he's promised you he's going to do. And you haven't quite yet seen that promise come to fruition. You've been trying, you've been praying, and you know, you just really kind of want to make it happen yourself. So maybe as that mom, you're getting in their business, maybe you're doing some things because you're trying to fulfill God's promise to you. And man, I totally get that. I totally understand that. God has promised me. Why is it not happening? But can I just encourage you that today is God's reminder to you, He hasn't forgotten. That he promised you. He hasn't forgotten. He still remembers. He's still on the throne. He's still working. And that wherever you are. And whatever your child's doing. They, God is working on them. I know that sometimes we try to fulfill that ourselves, but I, can I encourage you to step back and let God do what God does. Because sometimes as mamas. Believe it or not. We can get in the way. Because you know what? Mama loves big. Mama's concerned big. Mama really, 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 really wants them. 
to do good and have Jesus in their heart. But we know if God promises it, he's going to surely fulfill his promises. Psalms 145.13 says, The Lord always keeps his promises. He is gracious in all he does. It may not be the timing that we set out for him, but he will surely keep his promise to you. You only need to wait. Our fourth mom, Naomi. Naomi was a mother to Ruth, who wasn't her child. In Ruth 1, we read that Naomi's, hummy, hummy, has, Naomi's husband, Eli, Eli Melech, we're going to call him Eli, moved his family from Bethlehem to Moab. Sometime after moving there, Eli died. Um, and then his two sons married Moabite women. And then about 10 years later, um, both sons were killed. And Naomi was left in a foreign land with two daughter-in-laws. And um, she decided she's going home. I mean, well, who wouldn't? I'm going to go home to my land. So she says to her daughter-in-laws, you go home. You go to your people. I'm going to go to my people. And one of them argued a little bit, but then she left and went. But then Naomi said, no, wherever you go, I go. So I began to think about that. Why did Ruth not want to go home? We don't know the story of Ruth. We don't know if she um, had a horrible home life. We don't know if she was in an abusive relationship there. We don't know what happened or why, but we know that Ruth was connected to Naomi and that Naomi was being mother to Ruth. There are some of you here who out of your greatest desire, you've wanted to be a mom. You have cried and wept, and I want you to know I see you. I know. I see you. And my heart hurts with you. And I pray with you. But God has a plan. And sometimes he brings people into our lives for us to be a mother too. There are women who need godly spiritual mothers. And they don't know where to turn. They can't call their mother when there's a spiritual question. They really can't call their mother for advice on what to do with their kids. They need someone. There may be mothers in here who have lost. And man, I see you. I can't even begin to imagine that. But I cannot say that God wants to redeem that. Because just because you've lost don't mean you don't have the knowledge and the wisdom to be a mother. You see, God wants us all to be a mother. He wants us all to train up the younger. He's given you wisdom. He's given you direction. And he wants us to invest into those who are younger than us. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Sometimes they don't even like what we have to say. They don't. And sometimes I just don't even say it. Because I'm like, mm. But sometimes, a lot of the times, God has ordained the conversations that you're having. Because he wants you to be a mother to younger women. Okay, so I want to give you one more scripture and then we're going to stand. Um, this is one of my favorites. And if you know me, you know me that it is. Proverbs 29, 17. Discipline your children and they will give you peace of mind and will make your heart glad. 
My, I, I like to spank. I may not even need this. Maybe this ain't good for me to say live. But I'm a spanker. Ask my granddaughter. Papa's not a spanker, but honey's a spanker. Because I believe that when you discipline your child, whatever form of discipline that you choose, that's really discipline. When you discipline your child, they give you peace of mind and they have peace of mind. And the Bible says, and they will make your heart glad. I just encourage you. I just encourage you. They're too young to know what they need. They're too young. Make your heart glad. Will you stand with me? I want us to do something this morning. Um, I want us to uh, uh, pray for our mothers. And so if you're a mother or um, uh, in this room, I want your children to get with you, your families, all the families together. So this means all of you might have to move. Um, and uh, you, you know what? Shay, you could go with Moses because your mom was here first service. Just let me assign. <laughs> they like each other. So anyway, um, and they're so cute. So find your mother. And if you are a mother, I want you to raise your hand because I don't want anyone by themselves. If you're a mother here and you're by yourself, I want someone close by. Um, Jolie, could you get with Kendra? And put her with your family. Are you by yourself, Kendra? Good. I'm sorry. I'm just going to break that fifth wall, they call it. I don't want you by yourself. I want to have someone praying with somebody. And here's what I want you to pray. I want you to thank God for your mother. If you're teenagers, thank God for your mother. Thank God for her. Because she's the one up all night worried about you. And she has good intentions towards you. She wants what's best for you. She doesn't want to keep you stifled in your coolness. She wants you to be a functioning adult that loves Jesus with all of their heart. That's what she wants. So I want you to pray and thank God. And then the rest of you, I want you just to pray for mom as I pray. God, we thank you so much, God, for mothers. Lord God, where would we be today without praying mamas? And God, I just pray, Lord, and I thank you, God, that you allowed me to be a mama. And I thank you, God, that you've allowed me not to only mother my children, but to mother other people as well. And Lord, I pray, God, today, Lord, that these mothers feel blessed. Lord God, I pray, God, that you give them encouragement and strength. I pray, God, that you give them the willpower to fight. Lord, because their kids are worth the fight. I pray, God, that their children rise up and call them blessed. Lord God, that their husbands, Lord God, support them and encourage them, Lord God, as the mother. I pray, God, that you anoint them, Lord God, to raise children who love you with all of their heart. Give them wisdom. Give them discernment, Lord. You speak to them in the middle of the night, Lord God, when they need to know what their kid is out doing. You show them. Lord God, and God, we thank you and we love you, God, because we know, Lord God, that you are true and 
faithful to your promise. Lord, I pray for that, that woman here, Lord God, who may not have ever seen that desire of being a mom come true. I pray, God, that you fill her quiver, Lord God, with women and young women who want to know, Lord God, what they need, Lord, that she can mother them and love them. Lord, I pray, Lord God, for the mom here who has had lost, Lord, that she's lost somebody. Lord, I pray, God, that you just, Lord, show your compassion on her. Lord God, that you love her and lift her up. Lord, that you fill that spot with your presence today, God. We just praise you and we thank you. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. Okay, I got one more thing to say to you. May his blessing be upon you and upon your children and upon their children. Amen. Mothers, we have a gift for you. The Women's Ministries Department has provided out front. If you didn't get something on your way in, be sure and pick something up on your way out. Um, I hope you don't have to cook today unless you like to. And enjoy your Mother's Day. You're dismissed.